Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. Today we are talking about the sixth episode, is that right? Of our Love and Affection series, where we will discuss Star Trek, or I guess there's no Star Trek colon, it's just Enterprise. (laughs) You know, I think there is a Star Trek colon. Star Trek Enterprise. Sometimes. It's also just called Enterprise, so... We might go back and forth a little. (laughs) There's a little inconsistency with the colons. (laughs) Well, and also, I was thinking Star Trek Discovery, there is a colon, or is it just Discovery? I think in the intro, it says Star Trek Discovery, so... I I think it does, but Enterprise... it Star Trek Enterprise. Who knows? I feel like it's more like Star Trek Presents Picard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also true, so... Yeah. So, Ashlyn, I'm so happy to be potting with you because even though it's only been a week, it feels like it's been longer. And I'm just happy to be back talking about Star Trek with you. I agree. Every time we finish a recording of the pod, I start a countdown till the next time we get to record because it's so (laughs) exciting and so much fun to have these discussions with you. It is seriously one of the favorite moments of my week. So I know we literally talk about this all the time, but (laughs) we have such a blast. I mean, this is the Love and Affection series, so I think if we show a little love and affection, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. To prepare for this episode, we watched Unexpected, Dear Doctor, Shuttlepod 1, Desert Crossing, Twilight, Proving Ground, Harbringer, E2, and Bound. Thank you, Ashlyn. <laughs> Rihanna, I was curious, speaking of love and affection, mm-hmm. who do you ship or who is your favorite ship in Enterprise? I got to say Trip and pull really without hesitancy because yeah. Trip is my favorite Enterprise character and T'Pol is one of my favorite just Vulcan female characters in general because she's really amazing. And I think the two of them together, there's just this really sweet magic that is also complicated and i love it it's so fun so it's definitely my favorite ship yeah you know <laughs> you saying your favorite female vulcan i kind of was thinking about tapau <laughs> <laughs> you know uh that's a great choice and i think the obvious choice for enterprise honestly that is also my favorite ship yeah. but for the sake of having a different answer i'm gonna say porthos and myself is <laughs> my favorite ship <laughs> In Enterprise, because yeah. watching these episodes where he's feeding Porthos and hanging out with him, it makes me want to just buy a beagle. So <laughs> that's a fantastic answer, Ashlyn. The character combinations are fun as friends, but I don't really get like strong gay coded vibes from any character, and they all kind of operate on their own a lot. So it'll be an interesting episode talking about the love and affection in this crew. Yeah, I think that's something I really noticed in this crazy series of episodes we watched was that the love and affection was definitely tilted way more sexually than romantically. I forgot that this is how Enterprise sort of operates, that it's a lot more about sex than affection, (laughs) which cracks me up because that's so not any of the other Star Trek shows that we've talked about so far. 
Rick Berman was working on Deep Space Nine and he was like, do you know what this is missing? Sex. More sex. And then he created Enterprise. <laughs> Curious. Well, let's talk about a character who probably has the most sex. Am I allowed to say that on the show? It's, and, and not on Enterprise, but Phlox, as we've talked about in our family series, has, I believe, three wives and his three wives each have two husbands. Yeah. So Phlox has a huge extended family. And in the episode Dear Doctor, where Dr. Lucas is Phlox's pen pal, it seems, uh -huh. where they were friends in San Francisco and he made Phlox feel really welcome. No, uh, oh. they're on exchange program. They might have met, maybe you're right, on Earth before he left for Denobia. <laughs> I remember I wrote in my notes, hashtag normalized polygamy. Yes. <laughs> for this episode. I know Enterprise was trying to kind of push the envelope with a lot of things in the series, but they didn't really have the guts to follow through. And I feel like if we had Enterprise being made today, like kind of in the same style and reality as Picard, we might have a Phlox character who is married and we see all of his wives and him interacting and having successful polygamous relationships on screen. And so that's something I feel like is really not shown at all in Enterprise, but I wish it was there more because yeah, hashtag normalize polygamy. If, if that's your way of life, then great. Exactly. <laughs> and people should love who they want to love. So Absolutely. Okay, so this episode is hilarious because it revolves around Phlox's interactions with the crew and especially with this one crewmate whose name is Cutler. Cutler. I wrote, th I wrote that one down. Yeah. <laughs> is Cutler. Cutler. And she and her attraction to Phlox and their engagements and stuff. And I really liked this episode because it reminded me a lot actually of MASH, the old TV show about mm. the Korean War because they have a lot of episodes where they have letters home to different family members describing the camp through their eyes. And I really felt like this was Phlox in a similar circumstance writing a letter explaining how he spews the crew and it's just a really cool episode it was one of my favorites that we watched on this rewatch for the series it was really really great yeah whenever i rewatch enterprise i always love the flocks episodes i think they're some of my favorite ones to see because he's just such a cool little being yeah he's really <laughs> awesome what did you think about his relationship with cutler because I was really impressed how straightforward Phlox is, and I was very unimpressed with how ambiguous she was <laughs> about wow. what she wanted, because yeah. she was the aggressor in the relationship. I mean, not aggressor, you know what I mean. I'm thinking in too much of a, a Klingon way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we are the Dura sisters, so yeah. that's expected. That's what you're here for. <laughs> <laughs> but she was the pursuer. She kissed him on the cheek, even though she knows that Denobulans don't like physical contact. Mm -hmm. So she's really putting herself out there. He confronts her later in the episode and it's like, okay, well, then what do you want? And she's like, let's just see where it goes, which yeah. is, I think in some relationships that works, but they're clearly, I don't know. I don't know if they're really on the same page with this. What are your thoughts? I agree that Phlox is so straightforward and I think it's really smart that they decide just to be friends and that Phlox does reach out to her as a friend at the end because it shows that it's okay you don't have to romantically be attracted to someone to want to hang yeah. out with them and want to just be around them and I think for Phlox it was hard to discern what is romantic attraction versus what is friendship and being really friendly because he has no idea about human culture and I would say a kiss on the cheek is definitely more friendly than 
what I would consider like a friend, you know? I'm glad that they ended up just deciding to be friends because it's probably the mature choice for them. Yeah, especially because they work together in such a close capacity. I thought that was also really interesting that she would pursue that even though they're working so closely together because that doesn't work that often yeah. unless you're the amazing Tom and Bolana. <laughs> Yeah, or yeah, trip into pull. Honestly, so they make it work. It, work. it has to be like endless negotiations about how to work together versus how to be romantically involved. I do not think that Phlox wants to do this or that Cutler wants to do that kind of work. No. And so I thought it was a really good exploration for him, though. And it seems to be sort of a theme of Enterprise, because we'll talk about this later with T'Pol, but I just want to bring it up now that often attraction is sort of considered an experiment or to sort of figure out more about humans for T'Pol and for flocks. And so it's interesting to see humans through their eyes. And yeah, a lot of our random cultural stuff is very bizarre and confusing. I totally agree. <laughs> the two people I was actually more watching for love and affection this episode, even though we were kind of watching for Phlox and Cutler, is Hoshi and Phlox. Mm. And I don't mean in a romantic way, but they had several really good scenes when she's learning to speak Denobian and they're conversing back and forth, having her practice. I thought that was a sweet relationship for them because they both have unique perspectives on the ship, especially because Hoshi didn't go to Starfleet Academy. She has this civilian background and I thought she was really helpful in helping Phlox figure out what he wanted with Cutler. I just thought it was a lovely couple of scenes whenever Hoshi and Phlox interacted in this one. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because oh, it's so great to see friendships being formed because I think Phlox is a little reluctant at first to make many friends because it's probably very intimidating being on a almost entirely human crew. I mean, we've seen this with Spock and with Worf. There's just so many examples of this, but I am glad that he's reaching out and creating these connections on Enterprise. And there's something else that I thought was interesting is when Phlox talks to T'Pol about humans and sort of asks the question of, how do you know when they're attracted to you or whatever? And T'Pol says, they seem to be fascinated with something new. So she sort of implies that she's only interested in you because you're something different and new. And mm. so I thought that was like such a critical way of looking at attraction because it can be on such a broad scale. And it's just a poll showing that she doesn't really understandably grasp the whole dynamic either. And so they're both sort of fumbling in the dark around this. Well, topol has got a long journey ahead of her. Yeah. I mean, this is only season one exactly. and it really shows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That she's very early in her arc at this point and she does not understand yeah. exactly how humans convey attraction. Yeah, <laughs> which is totally fine. I understand that of not wanting to be engaging in it because it's very chaotic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I didn't understand it much longer after I started dating even. <laughs> so it's not an easy thing to grasp. There are some other really interesting friendship connections on the ship and I love the episode Shuttlepod 1 because it was the first time that I felt like we were able to break down the walls of these two characters who are stuck in the shuttle pod, Malcolm and Trip. Especially Malcolm for me, because I never really liked him, especially in the first season. His go-to response to any kind of crisis is, should we fire weapons, sir? <laughs> Actually, in this episode, yeah. he asked Trip, maybe if we fire our weapons, Enterprise <laughs> will notice us. <laughs> 
yeah, I've never been too inclined to Malcolm. Yeah. But this episode really made me like him because through <laughs> this horrible journey where they encounter an anomaly, of course, classic, yep. and it knocks the shuttle pod totally out. <laughs> so they can't have warp. They can't go very fast. They're losing oxygen. Eventually they lose a tank. Yeah. It's all going wrong for them. And Malcolm is definitely taking the very negative route. He's writing love letters <laughs> to all of these girls that he basically banged in San Francisco. Anyone he wanted to pursue more things with. He's dealing with his upcoming demise in a very tragic way. Whereas yeah. Trip is positive about it and he's very hopeful that they will be rescued. So it was a really, really great episode for me to see how these two characters break down and um, <laughs> yeah. haha, see them break down. So funny. <laughs> Yeah, I know you love this episode too, Rihanna. <laughs> yes, I love it very much because I think you're right. I didn't really understand a lot about either of these characters going into this episode. Malcolm, he was not my favorite character for a while. And Trip, I just didn't really understand what he was all about yet because I'm just like, oh, he's a cool engineer who has dinner with Archer. <laughs> this episode really teaches them both about each other, I think, and gets them to understand why Malcolm is this way and why Trip is this way. And it really is interesting to see sort of the pessimist and the optimist dynamic <laughs> in this episode and how they balance each other out really well. But, you know, I mean, half of that is under the influence of alcohol. Like, once they can finally break down the barriers through some whiskey, <laughs> then I feel like it really starts to become less volatile and more, like, understanding. Because they can both calm down just enough to the point where they're like, okay, let's actually talk about things instead of shouting at each other. And so I really love to see the progression of this episode because they still are snippy and snarky, but you can tell that their tone has changed by the end of the episode and that Trip ends up just about sacrificing himself for Malcolm. He wants to go up into the... The airlock. Air yeah. yeah, I was like, Jesus, you're going to flee yourself out of an airlock? That's right. awful. It's yeah. awful. And it's a horrible thing that astronauts and people in these situations have to deal with. A lot of this stuff has happened before with Picard and Jack Crusher. I just love to see that Malcolm was completely irate and not willing to let Trip sacrifice himself. And that's sort of when he gained some optimism because he wanted to save Trip and he gained purpose, you know? So it's just a really amazing episode with two characters you wouldn't expect to see together on screen which is another thing that Star Trek does really well is plays with all these different dynamics of everyone in the crew like an Odo and Quark episode yeah with no fist fight though <laughs> in this one I think we get a good character analysis of Malcolm because Trip, Trip isn't one who really hides his emotions at all. He'll tell you how he's feeling, but Malcolm has that British uh, thing. <laughs> People, like, you just, just gotta hold in your emotions. Side. Yeah, I'm gonna take this emotion, put it in a box, and bury it in my backyard. Yeah. yeah. And so I think what we see, though, is that neither version is bad or wrong, and they can both make fantastic Starfleet officers because Malcolm is totally negative about the situation until they think of the idea to explode their I think it's the impulse engine yeah. to make a big flare to tell Enterprise that hurry up like we're dying and we can't communicate yeah. once they do take action and take a positive step towards achieving their goal Malcolm is just a cold logic scientist you know I mean <laughs> exactly. he's not a Vulcan but 
yeah and so he's able to analyze at that point like okay there's actually hope now so it's okay for me to be more positive so i think it was the alcohol but i think also it was him logically saying we actually have a real chance now and trip on the other hand is just getting more and more discouraged i think after they send out the engine and he's the one finally coming to grips with reality so they both kind of cross in that moment yeah. <laughs> and to inherit each other's traits and so it's just really fun to see and i love when malcolm says to trip he's like can i call you trip because he always calls him sir or commander like yeah mr tucker he's <laughs> whoa is is he here did did he just did malcolm just walk in the podcast and join us that was a great impression uh yeah he calls him mr tucker and so it, it was sweet at the end when he said can i call you trip you know yeah. and I, I mean trip was unconscious so he was maybe too afraid to do it to his face but that's yeah. fine <laughs> still um, i think it creates a step forward that we see through the rest of the series for them. Yeah, so I just, I think this is a great episode and really pushes them forward. I think so too. <laughs> you know, so it's interesting then to watch, what is it, Desert Storm? Desert Crossing. <laughs> Desert Crossing. Okay. Desert Crossing. It's really interesting to watch Desert Crossing immediately after this, which is what I did in my rewatch because this time it's Archer and Trips stranded on a planet together and they have a much different relationship because they're really old friends and so there's none of this character building. They know each other so well and they've been in crazy situations like this that they both know how they react in emergency situations. Yes, absolutely. And I, well, okay, so Archer and Trip went to survival training together in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> they both have done this desert type training. Again, it like exposes them to this more vulnerable side. Trip is not doing well. He's getting heat stroke. And Archer is just so loyal and patient with him. You can tell they're just such good friends. He protects him tooth and nail. This is what reminds me of why Archer is the captain that he is. Yeah, it's just a really interesting episode to see how... Archer is just so desperate to save Trip, and we've seen him with this before with the Sim episode. You unlocked a memory. Yeah, we just watched that recently, the yeah. Sim episode. That's so true. They're definitely besties. I was really interested to see how gentle Archer was with him too, because I think Archer is an interesting character. Like sometimes he'll really have his chest out and he's telling people off and being really sassy, but sometimes he can just be so sweet. And it was really nice just to see how dedicated he was, another reminder. And it's possible because this episode's also in the first season that this is an example of them showing, not telling us how deep their relationship is. And I think they do a wonderful job in it. Yeah, absolutely. Another interesting, interesting relationship that we see is Archer and T'Pol in the episode Twilight. That has always been one of my very favorite episodes because it's so unique mm -hmm. compared to even other Star Trek series that we know. There's never really been an episode quite like this one. Yeah. Well, there kind of is. It's kind of all good things. <laughs> but... <laughs> but it's also... <laughs> But it's not because, like, it's so much closer to home, you know? Our hearts and when Enterprise shines, it, like, shines very brightly. We get these unique episodes that really stand out. Yes. So just of, like, the most basic plot of this episode is that Archer 
it saves to pull there's like this strange anomaly going on in the ship and a wave comes through it knocks over a beam onto pole's leg and archer summons his energy (laughs) and moves the pole and saves her life moves the pole to save to pull but then he gets hit with an energy beam and it puts these like temporal parasites in his brain (laughs) poor guy so he basically can't form any new memories yeah he retrograde amnesia yeah exactly poor guy so he goes through this and most of the episode takes place in 12 years in the future where topol has given up her career to dedicate herself to saving archer as a gesture of saying thank you for saving me and now i will help you cope with your life and i mean whoa what a stunning move by her just whoa i mean that's amazing and we see throughout the episode that to pull is definitely got feelings for archer living together all this time but it's so tragic because he doesn't remember any of their developing relationship and he starts from a blank slate every single day i mean what a tough one so horrible and but also beautiful because we do see T'Pol explaining to him every day. I mean, we assume she's explained every day to Archer what's happened. She's calling him Jonathan, and they're just very close. It's cool to see this dynamic when it allows development and forming over years of time, which they can't do in every episode, or they can't skip years at a time, because that would make no sense. But like, yeah. it's cool for one episode to see how that would form if so many years have gone by yeah Topol is just so loyal to Archer I'm just saying this because it's our love and affection episode but I was having a lot of love and affection for old Archer I was like (laughs) oh okay (laughs) he looks great (laughs) I would be the same I would do the same as Topol in that situation like dang he looks great (laughs) I'll explain to him every day what's going on (laughs) it sounds fine I thought it was really realistic also how they wrote Archer's character in this one because if I went to a party where all my closest friends and crewmates were aged 12 years and I didn't really know why or remember that happening, it would be very disturbing. And so the scene that I really liked in this one is when Archer leaves the party that they're having on Enterprise. T'Pol is there comforting him because she knows him so well. She knows he was overwhelmed. She knows him better than he knows himself at this point. Absolutely. So I thought that was a really touching scene. Yeah, I just gotta say the acting by Jolene Belloc in this one as well as as well as Scott Bakula, I think both of them really touched on something deep in this one. So yeah, yeah it was great. Fantastic. Also, breaking news, I never knew they are settled where they're living on City Alpha 5. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I'm calling the con police. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> doesn't City Alpha 6 explode? And then it throws it off its rhythm. Yeah. So this planet in the future is totally decimated and turned to a desert planet and city alpha six is no more so yeah i just was shocked that they're just chilling on city alpha five (laughs) that was crazy i also thought just overall the way that the crew was treating archer was really sweet and you can really tell how loyal they are to him and we don't see that a lot in enterprise like we know they're all tight and they enjoy hanging out together but i don't think we see a lot of the real depth that they love each other so i thought this was really sweet to see everybody coming together for the sake of archer and I thought, too, it was incredible that Phlox had spent a decade finding a cure for Archer. That dedication, it just really reminds me of The Visitor in Deep Space yes. Nine. Yes, You know, where Jake spends decades looking for a cure for his dad. 
Yeah, it was really giving me all good thing vibes too because you know it's a captain who's sick (laughs) and then at some point in the future everybody comes together to try to save him (laughs) just it was like there were shared writers from show to show or something like that Uh uh-huh well i think it's time we've set the stage pretty well with all of these wonderful friendships and random loves in enterprise so let's talk about to pull and trip rihanna i think one of your first crushes was probably trip yeah absolutely i was like a wee middle schooler yeah crush it on someone on in the it was, 2000s it was time. <laughs> mm-hmm. i actually got to meet connor trainer at Starfest in Colorado one year. That's so amazing. That was the year I couldn't go with you. Yeah. Should we start with Unexpected? Yeah, we have to. This is the origin of Mpreg fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. It's just, I love this episode. It's so goofy. It's actually, I think the first episode, because we were watching this in what, middle school? Yeah. Is that true? No, we were probably watching this in high school. But either way, when I watched this episode, I think it's early kind of in season one. This is the episode that I was like, okay, this show is great. <laughs> I love how bizarre and crazy and fun it is. So this is about one of the only relationships, one of, that Trip has with someone who isn't to Paul. Mm-hmm. And this is with Alen. And she's from this species that has been hanging out in their warp trail, trying to collect their energy. And so Trip goes aboard to fix their engines. And he ends up getting pregnant from that <laughs> trip. From from that trip, trip gets pregnant. Well, so. and on the holodeck of all places. Yeah. I don't think they call it a holodeck on this ship, but I mean, they have much more advanced technology. You know, they have yeah. probably 300 years adva- more advanced technology than Enterprise does. And so I think they call it like a, I don't even know what they call it, but it's basically a holodeck. And so Trip is just one of the first humans to have a pregnancy (laughs) occur. (laughs) That's like mostly what they're used for in Lower Decks. So. (laughs) And I love how Trip is adjusting to their environment on the ship and Alan is very sweet to him. And they do have like a very cute relationship because they're both engineers. But yeah, I just find it to be hilarious that that Trip is like, you need to take this baby back. Like, I am getting hormonal. He's like, I did not expect to be a single mother. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you don't expect it. Yeah, I thought it was great. And it flips the gender roles, obviously, Mm -hmm. which is nice. It's just something different and something so sweet. And yeah, I love Trip. This is sort of when we plant the seed for T'Pol, I think, because she is very jealous of Trip in this. And honestly, as they argue about later, T'Pol is not very good at hiding her jealousy. I think she pretends to be, but it's one emotion she has not mastered. She does a lot of probing questions when she's jealous of like the woman or of the nature of their relationship. So this is sort of the beginning of that. Oh, so exciting. I love to see it start. (laughs) Yeah, she's just not great at holding in her emotions as much as she wants to. Then in the next episode, Harbringer, we see her jealousy is getting even stronger because there is a female crewmate who's coming aboard. I can't remember what ship. It's like the military ship or something. And there's this cool lady. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's an engineer too. She's really nice. And she talks to Trip, and they start getting friendly and mm-hmm. they connect specifically through the Vulcan massage techniques. The neural pressure, yeah. That uh, T'Pol has been doing.
doing on Trip, and Trip has been doing it back, and now he's out doing this neuropressure thing with another lady. Yeah. So, yeah, Tapol is pretty furious in this episode, even though she's telling everyone, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because then Trip does the neuropressure technique wrong on Amanda, and then she has to go to T'Pol to get it fixed because she's been having headaches and stuff. It's just such an awkward scene because T'Pol is probing her and asking all of these very personal questions about her and Trip and trying to suss out what their relationship is because she's just so jealous. Yeah, Cole is interesting because she does not see any of this going on. She does not connect the dots that that T'Pol is so into Trip. And you have to remember the context of this episode because in Sim, Sim, Tucker's twin, told T'Pol that he was in love with her. Yeah. And like desperately, desperately in love with her. So T'Pol knows this and she knows that Trip is carrying this around. And so I think her crush just gets like more and more powerful and it's really turning into love at this point. It's so, ah, so cute. Yes, it's so exciting. This. Exactly. And now I have a question. Do you think that Trip was trying to make her jealous? No. Do you, do you think he had given up? I think, because I'm pretty sure Sim in that episode was like a couple months older. He had surpassed Tripp's current age. Mm -hmm. And so I think that he was in like the infant stages of love where he loved her but didn't realize it, you know, oh, or like, oh, yeah. Tapul's always on my mind. That's weird. All right. <laughs> See you <Yeah>. later. <laughs> He's like, oh, whatever. Back to He doesn't name. like analyze it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. What do you think? Yeah, I like that answer a lot. I think also, though, that he might have known and he was just trying to push the feelings away, you know, mm. and like, oh, I'll just, I was going to say court another woman. Like he's, you know, in the medieval times. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just, he's like, oh, I'll just go and hang out with another woman to try to get my mind off to pull. And so... I thought it more was that route, but I really like the wholesome, he doesn't know he's in love yet. That's that's also a really good one. Well, now that you've explained your answer, I think I like it more and mm -hmm. it's probably true, but I don't know. Trip just doesn't seem like someone who spends that much time thinking about his emotions yeah. unless it's relevant, you know? But I think also he still drinks that women respect juice, you know? And so I don't think he's intentionally trying to hurt anyone. He's just trying to figure out himself. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that he's still kind of dealing with the death of his sister. And so I think that really hit him hard. And he does not process it until like the last episode of season four. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he never processes his feelings oh, about her dying. I think he's also kind of afraid to get close to somebody again, because he just lost her. So I yeah. can totally see him like tiptoeing around this and not really, you know, focusing on it. But Absolutely. man, to pull totally opposite feelings she goes naked to the neuropressure session at the yeah. end of the episode and they just do it like mm -hmm. what <laughs> yeah yeah she's the aggressor to use the klingon term again <laughs> absolutely yeah she goes for what she wants with 100 percent capacity but i think then at the very end they're sitting together in the mess hall Trip asks, like, hey, we should talk about last night and Tapola is being very aloof about it and saying that it was a good experiment, just like we were talking about with Flocks earlier. But she was way more abrupt about it and like rude and just in her Vulcan way of just being crude and harsh. She was just like a good way to experiment human attraction. Or he, she didn't say experiment, but you know. Yeah, it was just devastating, I think, for Trip because he really is realizing his feelings for her and 
then he's just like, should we forget it ever happened? And she's like, yeah. It's not a great ending for them because the problem with them is that it takes them so long to really just admit to each other what they're really saying and feeling. It does take them a long time, but I disagree that it's an unhappy ending in this episode because Trip asks, do we continue our neuropressure sessions? And she says yes. So she's keeping the door open. He's keeping the door open. Should anything change in the future, we still have these sessions, you know? So they're not going to stop seeing each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what's important to me. And that's really how their relationship blossoms so Mm -hmm. well is because they have such extended amounts of time together in these sessions. Yeah. (laughs) Where Trip is getting the help that he needs and deserves, but through someone who's also going to tell him the truth and be honest with him. It's a really good combination, I think that he needs to help him through his grief about his sister and while going through all these other traumatic events on Enterprise. I just, they go through so much and I think it's nice that they have each other for that. I totally agree. We should talk briefly before we end about E2, so-called E squared, I think. This is a crazy episode where the Enterprise has gone back in time, one version of it, and is now a generation ship and then it meets up with itself again on that timeline to make sure they don't go through the medusa cascade nope that's doctor who mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, but yeah similar so they don't go through this part of the expanse because they'll get thrown back in time and so it's this generation ship and so they had to couple up and have children to make sure that they were able to pass this on and turns out that Trip and T'Pol had had a son who was half human, half Vulcan. And apparently Trip in that timeline had died when his son was 14. 14. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this poor kid has been through a lot, but it really tells this current Trip and T'Pol sort of more about their relationship and how like if they gave it time, this is how it could progress if they want it to. And so it's a good eye opener for them. This is such a cool episode. This is another bright gem from Enterprise, like we were talking about earlier. Man, when it shines, it really shines. Yeah. Oh, I love this one. And I mean, we have to also add it to the list of episodes that have characters meeting their older selves. (laughs) (laughs) Because at the end. Future children or something. (laughs) (laughs) Future children. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so good. I I just, again, we talk about the trope so much, but it's just, it's beautiful to see (laughs) all of these episodes. (laughs) I love the fact that Vulcans are alive for so long because then we can have them for so many different series. And so I love that T'Pol has survived this whole hundred year journey. And then she gets to talk with her younger self at the end of the episode. And she's the only one who really understands everything that T'Pol has gone through because it was her, you know, she remembers. And I think it was really cool that she was like, I know you're really suffering from the Trillium addiction. You're recovering from that. You're never going to be the same again. Get used to it. Yeah. And I think that was really the push T'Pol needed. And honestly, if your future self lies to you, then it doesn't make sense. You know, like they're Uh never going to lie to you. So I think it was smart that she trusted her own words. Yeah. And it helped them to both escape the expanse and to lead her more directly to getting with Trip. 
Yeah, like how old to pull, past or future to pull, however you want to think about time. I think she radiated sort of a confidence and she had wisdom. And so present to pull used that and knew that like, oh, well, I trust my own wisdom as well. And I've experienced a lot in these past years. And so it's really cool to see. I really like this episode and it gives all of them an insight. <laughs> it turns out that Malcolm is a bachelor through and through. <laughs> that was kind of sad. He died alone. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, ooh, outlook, not good. Yeah, he was like, hmm. (laughs) But it probably also gave him a push to be like, wow, maybe I should open up a little more. I like at the end that T'Pol's older self tells the present T'Pol to follow her heart. She's like, even though it sounds illogical. Yeah. Which is lovely. I love that too. I also love how sweet Trip is in this episode, especially to his son. But the son is really angry and illogical, in my opinion. I thought it was cool, at least, that they got to spend some time together and take back some of the time that they had both lost. So I thought this was a really neat episode. And I think that they vanished. I think that that plot line no longer exists. Once they were able to leave the Expanse without being thrown back into time, it seems like all of their future selves were erased from the universe. So Mm -hmm. it leaves a lot for the crew to reflect on, you know, the possibility that they could have become a generation ship. You know, this is something we talked about in Voyager because Mm -hmm. they also face those same possibilities. Yeah. It's just a good learning lesson and a kind of good eye-opening experience for the whole crew. Before we close today, I also just want to briefly talk about the episode Bound, which I did not really enjoy because there was a lot of sexism and the whole crew just wants to bang literal or enslaved girls that are (laughs) hanging out. Yeah. But what I love about this is it shows that Trip and T'Pol actually have a bond together. They have the Thyla blonde, right? Is that the right Mm -hmm. one? Yeah. Yeah. Where once you mate with someone like they did in Harbringer, Uh (laughs) the Vulcans create a bond. It basically transmits pheromones a little bit because Trip is not at all a attracted to these hot women running around and people like Malcolm and Mayweather are doing workouts all the time to try to get their testosterone out. I mean, it's really affecting the crew and Trip just feels none of it. Yeah. And I just think it's really sweet to see that he's just not attracted at all. I know part of it is because of the bond, but also he just feels really close with T'Pol at this point. Absolutely. It's such a great physical way to show their love you know is the fact that he physically doesn't feel the effects of their pheromones and the bond is this deeper understanding of each other and he's way more attracted to that you know and to getting to know to pull better and be with her all the time it's really sweet i love their dynamic because they're also just like kicking butt on this ship saving everyone and they're both such great engineers and scientists they're such a dynamic duo and a great couple it's so fun to see them together it really is and i love the last five minutes of this episode too because Trip says exactly what you said. He was like, you know, we make a pretty good team. (laughs) And the little thing he reveals, because at this point, he's not supposed to be on the Enterprise. He's been moved to the Columbia, being their chief engineer. Mm -hmm. But he asks her point blank, do you miss me? Do you want me on Enterprise? And he basically forces her, you know, he's not going to listen to her implied way of speaking or anything he wants a straight answer whether she wants him or not and so he just walks away and she keeps yelling trip come back stop it (laughs) like you know what i mean but no he wants her to say it and eventually she runs up and kisses him and she's like i want you to come back to enterprise so it was a really really lovely scene it it just made me happy to see her taking that risk Mm -hmm. something that she has not done before 
It's such a good scene. I do think that Trip pushes her to expand on her boundaries, and she also pushes him to expand and to learn more about her culture and about how she thinks, and I love the two of them, and I'm glad that they finally can get together. It took so long. It really did. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about the finale, so. Nope, we're not. <laughs> That's all, Too bad. <laughs> so sad. Brianna, thank you. This was a really lovely discussion. Yeah. It was really great. I agree. It was so fun. We're just glad to be talking about love and affection. And we are now on to Discovery. Yes. This coming oh, man. week, which There's is going to be, be so amazing. I it's going to be wait. explosive. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to have such a blast. So tune in next week for Star Trek Discovery Love and Affection episode. And thank you so much for listening to our Enterprise episode. We hope that you all are doing well in these wild times. Absolutely. Kapla to you all. <laughs> Kapla. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the seventh episode of our Love and Affection series, where Ashton and Rihanna will discuss the loving relationships in Star Trek Discovery. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, Star Trek Trivia, and the animated series. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. Our intro, Klingon Battle, was written by Jerry Goldsmith, and our outro, Worf's Revenge, is by Aurelo Voltaire. How many Guardians of Forever does it take to change a light bulb? Since before your sun burned in space, I have awaited that question.